Lord, as we enter a time now where we jump into your message, we pray that you would you would bless the message to our hearts, that you would speak through your word, and that you would change anything in our hearts and our mind that need to be tweaked and changed to glorify you. Um, so, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be continuing to be involved here in our service and in the message. I also just want to pray for the Cron family. As Again, as uh, Abe Cron recently passed away, there was a beautiful service this past Thursday online, and Lord, we just pray your continued comfort on May and John and Sheila and Zhang and Julaine and the whole Kron family and the friends who, who knew him. May you comfort them. And, uh, and again, Lord, uh, we want to, Steve's already prayed for this, but we also, I just want to just pray your blessing on all the moms today, that you would bless them, Lord, for all the wonderful uh, work that they do in, uh, in, in loving us and loving their children. And uh, Lord, may you give mothers an extra measure of uh, grace and patience as the, as the little kiddos prayed for in the videos. Um, give them all they need, Lord, to, to raise their children in you. Uh, bless, would you bless our mothers today? And we just pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we are going to continue today. I'm going to move your stand back here just a wee bit, Steve. Thanks, man. Uh, we're going to continue today in our series on character. We're in week number four, and uh, there's a few reasons why we want to talk about character today. Uh, I really believe that God has great plans for Grace Church, and um, one of the things I think God does, uh, He uses anybody, He can use anybody to do anything to fulfill His purposes in, in this world, but what, he, what I think He really wants to work with is people of character. And when we become people of character, we become more versatile, more versatile to tools and vessels for him to use for his glory and his purposes. And like I said, I truly do believe that God has great plans for uh, Grace Church, and he wants us to use us to partner with him to fulfill his mission in the world, which is to make disciples of Christ Jesus throughout, the, uh, throughout all the world. And we want to play a part in that. The other reason I think we, it's helpful to focus on character is because it's also going to help us in our personal lives. It's going to, as we pursue the character qualifications and the character challenges that Scripture presents us, I think it's going to help us in our personal lives, our family, our community, our neighborhood, our coworkers, any relationship we have as we're growing in character, we're going to be blessed by it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, there might even be a, a, a non-Christian who's watching this, and uh, I, I guarantee you that as you pursue the qualities of these character qualities that Scripture points us to, uh, your own life is going to be uh, much better as a result of that. I also want to say this, as, as I've been going through this series, uh, this character series, I have found that I've been convicted by my own sermons. And uh, I want to say that I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect in all these ways. And so as I preach these messages, uh, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. And uh, we all have to fall under the authority of God, even the preacher himself. Uh, so we've been in this series for four weeks now. And the first week, we talked about the qualifications of an elder, which are, an elder might simply be described as a senior leader in the church, one of many senior leaders in the church. And, um, and next, we looked at, sec week number two is looking at the qualifications of a deacon, and simply put, that might be simply summarized as, as someone who might be a second tier a leader in the church or a manager in the church. And although... Um, we might not have fit, not all of us might not may not have a f officially have the title elder or deacon. I think there's there's no reason why all of us should be pursuing those character qualities in Scripture. And then last week we were in Psalm 24, where the question was asked, "Who may ascend the, the mountain of the Lord?" 
And the answer was those who have clean hands, who have done no wrong, those who have a pure heart, those who have not lifted their soul to an idol, they're, they're devoted to God, and, and those who don't swear by a false God or who don't lie, who are people of truth. Uh, and uh, this week, we are not landing in a specific passage. It's just a few random thoughts that the Lord has impressed on my heart that a person of character should be pursuing. So it's a bit of a random thing. We're still, of course, looking into Scripture. Um, and I want to say this. Uh, the stuff we're talking about today and the, all the stuff we've been talking about through this whole series on character, this is hard work. Uh, we, don't, we can't just read a verse and all of a sudden snap our fingers and, oh yeah, we're going to nail this character quality that we're, in, we're embracing here. No, it takes hard work. It takes a long time to develop character. It takes, um, it takes dependence on the Holy Spirit to help us uh, change uh, into the people, the men and women that God wants us to be. It takes moments of self-reflection. As you know, another way that God produces character is that he sometimes will force difficult circumstances on us. And, um, you know, you may be in a very difficult circumstance or scenario right now, and you might have to look at it as a blessing, because as difficult circumstances and challenges come your way, I think it's a way that God refines us, and it's a way that God forces us to develop character uh, in our lives. And so the four things, I'm going, to t- I'm going to share four points today, four character qualities that we should see in a person of character or a person of character will embrace. All these things are obvious. Uh, it's, it's a very... Uh, these, these points are very simple. They're very obvious. At the same time, these four character qualities might be the hardest things to uh, pursue, the hardest things to embrace, the hardest things to perfect, if you will, for lack of a better phrase. These, these, these character qualities might be the hardest things to, to do. <laughs> so we're going to get into them now. There's, there's four character qualities for today on top of all the other things we've already talked about. And although it's random, at the same time, they all... They all very much complement each other quite a bit. You'll, you'll understand that as we go. So uh, there's four. We're going to talk about number one. Um, a person of character will, number one, they will admit their sins uh, or their mistakes. Admit your sins, admit your mistakes. And this is hard to do. This is so hard to do. It's obvious. It's simple. Scripture tells us throughout this, uh, throughout all of Scripture, but it's so hard. And the reason why it's so hard to admit your sins and your mistakes is because you've got to let down your pride. There's a part of you that has to say, that, that might have to admit that, gosh, I was wrong, or, or it might be embarrassing. Scripture says in 1 John 1, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And so first and foremost, a person of character will admit their sins to God. A story comes to mind in the Old Testament. Uh, there was a king by the name of King David, and he was involved in some really uh, bad stuff. He had an affair uh, with this woman named Bathsheba, and he tried to cover it up by killing uh, her husband, who was actually fighting for King David in war. And it was just a brutal story, brutal sin. And eventually God sends Nathan the prophet to come and confront David with it. And Nathan he confronts David with his sin, and and uh, shares with David how God's going to punish him and all the rest. And David responds by simply saying this in 2 Samuel 12. He simply says this, I have sinned against the Lord. There's no excuses. There's no explanations. There's no beating around the bush. I have sinned against the Lord. Nothing more. A person of character uh, will admit 
that they have sinned. And when confronted, like David, they will acknowledge their sin and acknowledge it, they will acknowledge it quickly. And so when a person of character acknowledges their sin, they admit their sin, they have the ability to then receive God's forgiveness, which is an amazing, amazing, beautiful thing. And so in a similar way, if a, if a person of character is quick to admit their sin, I also believe that a person of character is quick to examine their hearts before the Lord to point out any sin. We've talked about this before. Lord, would you search my heart? Would you search my mind and point out anything in my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my actions that are not pleasing to you? And as you point them out, Lord, help me to repent of these things so that I can make my heart right before you. That's what a person of character does. The other side of the coin is that we don't just um, admit our sins to God. There are moments where we have to admit our sins to each other. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, I've said this before, and I can't say it enough, that I think confessing your sin out loud to another brother or sister in Christ is probably more than half the battle to getting victory over a particular sin in your life. Uh, whether it be uh, an addiction or a wrongdoing, a wrong pattern of behavior, whatever it is, just confessing your sin out loud can be so, so freeing. There's a reason why scripture commands us to do that. And so I believe everyone in their life needs someone whom they can confide in, they can confess sin to without that person judging them, at the same time allowing that person to challenge them. And so I want to challenge you, if there's one thing you can maybe walk away from today considering doing is find that person in your life that you can confess sin to, that you can confide in, so that the Lord may bring healing in your life. Let me just say, come at this from another angle, you know, um, we're not just talking about, there there are some occasions where you can just confess your sin to someone and you haven't wronged them, there's no no issue between you and that person, and they just want to love on you. But then there's other occasions where you may have wronged someone specifically, and you may have to go to that person specifically and ask for forgiveness, confess your sin, and admit your mistake, and ask for your forgiveness. A person of character knows how to say, I'm sorry. They know how to say, I'm sorry to God. They know how to say, I'm sorry to the person they've offended. And uh, they have no problem confessing sin to another brother or sister in Christ. A person of character says, I'm sorry. Um, Perhaps this is a reflection point for all of us today. Is, is there someone today that you need to say, I'm sorry to? I know it's so simple, but it's so hard at the same time. Ask God to help you. Number two, a person of character, they forgive. A person of character forgives. Uh, forgiveness, I believe, uh, means giving up the desire to seek revenge against someone. It's putting aside feelings of bitterness and wishing harm on someone. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That last phrase jumps out at me. That catches my attention. Uh, Forgive as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive as God forgave you. Think about that for a second. How much has God forgiven us? How much has he forgiven us? There's a, a passage in Matthew 18 where Jesus is telling us a parable of the unforgiving debtor where... There's a king, and he, uh, this king has a servant. Let's call him servant number one. And servant number one owes the king like millions of dollars. And then servant number one has a servant, let's call him servant number two, who, owns, who, who, uh, who owes servant number one, let's say thousands of dollars. 
And so servant number one pleads with the king, and the king, he forgives servant number one's his debt, millions of dollars. But then servant number one goes to servant number two, and he won't give the same grace that the king gave him. And so when the king finds out about it, he, ser- he throws servant number one in jail and, and until he can pay the debt. The king is upset. And in that story, the king is God, and we are servant number one, and everyone else in our life is servant number two. And, um, you know, that one of the points of this story is that the king, God, forgave us, servant number one, of this impossible, huge, insurmountable debt. And if the king forgave us of that much debt, then we should have a similar heart towards others in our life. And, you know, uh, here's the thing. When a sinner, when a human, when a sinner sins against another human, another sinner, you might be able to quantify it, how, how to even the score, how to get even, for example. In the Old Testament, you might say when person A gouges out the eye of person B, well, to make it fair, to even the score, so to speak, to make things just, person B was justified to go back to person A and pluck their eyeball out. Or if person A, you know, uh, took out the tooth of person B, then person A can go back and uh, or whatever, one of them can go back and take out the tooth. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, even the score. In our culture, we don't quite do that, uh, but we might do jail time. You know, if person A wrongs person B, then person A has to do a certain amount of jail time to even the score. Or if person A does something wrong, breaks the law, they pay a fine to even the score. It's, it's, it, we can kind of sort of quantify it when a human sins or, or, or offends another human being. But... How do you quantify when a human, uh, an imperfect human, sins against a perfect, holy, and good God? How does a human pay that? How do you quantify that? And the reality is, is that you cannot quantify that. It's an infinite amount that is impossible to pay back. A human cannot even the score in their own efforts. You can't pay a fine large enough to even the score. You can't do enough, a human can't do enough jail time to even the score before God. A human cannot do enough good to make up for what they've done wrong. A human cannot even the score on their own. And so it's, it's very special when a sinner can forgive a sinner um, and extend forgiveness to a fellow sinner, but it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary for a good and perfect and holy God to extend forgiveness to a sinner. Why? Because it, it, the, you, you can't quantify uh, how much God has forgiven us because he is a perfect and good God forgiving someone who is imperfect. It's extraordinary. And God uh, was willing to forgive us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that anyone who puts their faith in him and his death and resurrection and repents and uh, receives him as their Lord and Savior, they can be forgiven, they can be reconciled to God, and they are forgiven of an infinite, insurmountable debt that only God can pay and so if God forgave us in extraordinary ways, in, in, in kind of an in, in infinite, un, unquantifiable way, then if God forgave us that much, and if we are commanded to forgive others as God forgave us, then we have to forgive others with that same extraordinary um, heart that God displayed towards us. We are to copy how God forgave us and extend that to others. So let me ask you this. Is there someone out there right now, you're bitter with someone, you're angry with someone, you have hard feelings towards someone? 
Let me ask you this. Uh, what are you really gaining? What are you, what are you really gaining from remaining bitter with someone? You know, I've heard it said that uh, unforgiveness or bitterness is kind of like drinking poison and, and waiting for the other person to die. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't help you one little bit. As you know, I think forgiveness becomes a lot easier when we remember that, you know what, everyone sins. I sin. We all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And if I sin and I need forgiveness too, well, you know what, maybe the person who wronged me, they're not, they're not any different than I am. And just as I need God's forgiveness and grace, I need to extend that to someone else. And I think forgiveness is so liberating. It's so liberating in, in so many different ways. When, when I forgive, when you forgive, we are acknowledging that God is the judge. And if there's anything that needs to be sorted in the end, that God will sort it. You're, you're releasing yourself from being the judge and putting it in God's hands. I think also forgiveness, it's liberating in the sense that uh, when you forgive, you are storing up extra grace for yourself as God will extend a similar amount of uh, grace and forgiveness as you do to others. I find that um, when Jesus taught us to pray the Our Father, there's a line in there that is just so convicting and so scary and exciting at the same time. It's, it almost looks like it's a typo, but Jesus, and when he taught us to pray this. He said, forgive us. We are to pray, God, forgive us as we forgive others. And if we're doing that well, we've got nothing to worry about. If we're, but if we're not doing it well, um, that's concerning. If that's true, which it seems to be true because Jesus taught it, that if God's going to forgive you in a similar way that you forgive others. If, if, let me ask you this. If, if God forgave you with the same measure that you forgive others, what would that look like? What would that look like? Would, there, would God be extending a lot of graciousness to you and forgiveness to you? Or would there be problems? If God forgives you with the same measure you forgive others, what would that look like? Let me just say two things before we move on to the next point. Two things what forgiveness is not. Uh, forgiveness uh, doesn't mean that you have to trust the other person. If I were to give you, let me just give you this example or illustration. If I had given my keys to my car to a friend and the, my friend went out and smashed the car, I can forgive my friend. I could have no hard feelings towards him, no bitterness towards him. I could have no interest in seeking revenge. I could still love him and think highly of him. Um, but I could forgive him, but it doesn't mean I have to trust him with my next car that I end up getting. In fact, to trust him in that circumstance might be foolish. So I can still forgive him, but you don't, that doesn't automatically mean that you have to trust right away. Uh, one other thing, forgiveness doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean not pursuing justice. I had a colleague the other day, I, the, last week that I talked to from Ontario, and he was sharing with me how in his youth ministry, uh, he had uh, two youth, I guess, where there was some form of sexual harassment between one youth and another. And he was able to bring the families in to... Uh, to talk about the issue. Uh, there was a lot of apologies. There was forgiveness. There were tears. There were hugs. There was reconciliation. It was beautiful. At the same time, the family that was wronged was still considering pressing charges. And if that's what they feel led to do, there's nothing wrong with that. So forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean not pursuing justice. Uh, in some cases, some people will choose to forgive and not pursue justice, and that's fine too. But either way, a person of character knows how to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's so simple, it's so obvious, but it's so hard sometimes. 
Is there someone today that you need to forgive? Is there someone today from your past? Many, maybe, maybe a week ago, a, week, uh, a year ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Is there someone from your past that you need to forgive? Ask God to help you. Number three. A person of character will, number three, they, they, they will make allowance for each other's faults. Now, this is actually very similar to point number uh, two, but we're just, it's really forgiveness, but coming at it from a different angle. Uh, a person of character will make allowance for each other's faults. I love Colossians 3, 13. I'm going to read it out of two different translations. The first out of the NIV. It says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's that phrase again, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Another reminder, beautiful. But that first phrase catches my attention and particularly out of the, out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, where it says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This phrase, make allowance for each other's faults, man, that, that jumps out at me. And the way I see it is this, the way I understand it is this, making allowance means, means, might mean this, at least for me, expect and plan for people to hurt you and be ready to forgive them. Expect and plan for people to hurt you and be ready to forgive them. Be ready in advance to forgive them. And you know, one of the ways that people hurt us sometimes is, just, just to talk about one category of hurt, is sometimes people will hurt you out of ignorance. You know, when Jesus was crucified, he said these words in Luke 23, 34. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In other words, they are ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what? Jesus was, was uh, throughout that whole process, there were some, well, first of all, I'm not too sure who, who exactly he was referring to. I don't know if he was referring to those who literally uh, drove the nails through his hands or through his feet or beat him or spat upon him. He may have also been including in that phrase um, forgiveness towards the Jewish religious leaders, perhaps to Pilate as well, who were involved in, in this whole process. He may have meant everyone. Father, forgive every, everyone in any way that was involved in this process because they simply just don't know what they're doing. Forgive their ignorance. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, like Pilate and the, the Jewish religious leaders, they were smart cookies. They were, they were smart people. They were people of influence. And yet they had wronged him out of ignorance. They didn't know any better. So sometimes someone might come along your life and might wrong you simply because of lack of knowledge. They don't know all the facts. Uh, is there someone in your life who's influential, who um, is smart, who maybe has something against you simply because they don't have all the facts straight? Well, you need to do what Jesus said. Forgive them, Lord. Or they do not know what they're doing. You know, a couple other uh, examples would be, might be between a, a parent and child relationship. Sometimes a child might say something hurtful and it's maybe just, they just don't understand because they don't have the life experience yet. Sometimes there can be conflict between the generations. Sometimes the young will can criticize the old for certain reasons and the old might criticize the young for certain reasons and maybe they just don't understand each other. Sometimes you hear of stories. I heard of a story, I can't specifically remember what the issue was, but I heard of a story of a man who went to another culture, uh, a pastor. I can't, again, don't remember the details, but he ended up 
kind of presenting himself in a certain way, cracking some jokes with some of the people from another culture, and he totally thought it was totally innocent and good, and his, his friend had to confront him because it was offensive what he was saying to people in his culture. Sometimes we can offend each other because there are cultural differences. There's, there's, there's things we're ignorant of. And uh, a person of character makes allowances for all that stuff. A person of character will say, you know what? My brother, my sister, my friend, they don't know any better. I forgive them. It's okay. Another thing we need to think of here is that um, when it comes to making allowance for each other's faults, there might be someone who has wronged you. Maybe they're not aware they've wronged you. Maybe they are aware that they've wronged you. Either way, there's some people in life that will just never come to you and they will never apologize. And you got to, at some level, make allowance for that. You got to be able to say, you know what, Lord, you've, you've forgiven me of so much. I need to extend that forgiveness to others and make allowance for those situations. Here's another way of looking at this, making allowance for each, other, each other's faults. I think you have to plan on, this might sound a little bit odd, but plan on forgiving people before they even harm you. Uh, just to give you an example here, um, I, have, uh, we, I have four kids in my house, and we have a lot of neighborhood kids in our community. And they, you know, a lot of them play together, and it's great. And uh, oftentimes, there's kids running around our house. And as there's kids running around our house, we have soccer balls flying around, basketballs flying around, golf balls flying around, footballs, skateboards, yoga balls, <laughs> you name it. There's lots going on. And uh, I'm just waiting for the day for a ball to go through one of our windows. And I've gotten to the point where I've psychologically prepared myself. If a ball were to go through my window, uh, I'm prepared to say, you know what, don't worry about it, kids. It's only a window and not freak out. Now, it does help that I just recently purchased window insurance to prepare for that day. Um, but I'm getting ready psychologically for something bad to happen. And I'm, being re- I'm ready to forgive and let go and move on if something bad were to happen. Uh, I would say this, uh, think, of, think of almost forgiveness like a savings account, that, that you, you have the savings account and you're dumping forgiveness in there and you're building up your savings account so that when someone wrongs you, you just pull it from the account and you just forgive it and you're good to go. And I understand some things take longer to forgive and heal, but, but uh, I think it's so healthy to just be prepared for people to wrong you, to hurt you, and get ready to draw from that account and forgive people. Maybe to use a different illustration, be more, like a, be more like a trampoline than a mud pit. There's a difference between the two. Be like a trampoline where you're so ready to forgive, you recognize that we all fall short, we are all sinners, we are all going to hurt each other. Be like that trampoline that you're so ready to forgive that as someone is wronging you, that in the moment you can forgive them in real time, and it bounces off of you. Uh, be willing and ready to forgive in a moment's notice. Don't be like the mud pit. That's the opposite, where someone wrongs you and you jump into the mud and you get stuck in there. And uh, you want to stew over things for a while. You want it to let it permeate your skin. You, you let it play out. You, you let it play. Uh, you rub it all over your head. You, you, you rub it all over you. You, you lie down on it. And you start stinking like the mud. You obsess over it and you get stuck. I can't forgive this person. How, how, how could they have done this wrong thing to me? Uh, whatever. And you get stuck and you go nowhere and you just lie in the mud for a long time and no one benefits from that. Be like the trampoline instead of a mud pit. 
make allowances for each other's faults. It shouldn't surprise you when someone wrongs you. It's just, that's just the part of the deal, part of this journey in this life. And so a person of character makes allowances for each other's faults because, you know what, at the end of the day, they realize that they need just as much grace as well. And so a person of character needs to make allowances for each other's faults. Who in your life that do you need to have a little more extra grace for? And is there someone in your life that maybe you have to develop just a, a forgiveness savings account? Um, or is there others? A person of character makes allowances for each other's faults. Number four, a person of, uh, of character will reconcile with others. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Obvious, simple, so hard to do, so hard. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go, first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. One of the things that jumps out at me in this passage is that Jesus seems to be indicating here that there is an urgency to reconciliation. There's an urgency. He doesn't say here, uh, finish your worship service or finish offering your offering. When that's done, then go make plans and reconcile with this person. No, stop what you're doing right now. Like even if you're in the midst of a worship service, stop. Go right now. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour. Go right now. And of course, of course, not every situation you can resolve right now, but there, there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency to making reconciliation with someone. Go and settle your issue if you're at odds with someone. A person of character will do their part to reconcile a relationship. Now, depending on the relationship, um, sometimes it's okay to just uh, forgive and you know, depending on what happened, and, and you don't need to have a conversation for every wrong that happens in your life. But depending on the relationship, sometimes it's not enough to just say, I forgive you, let's not talk. It's not enough to say, I forgive you, and let's not make efforts to reconcile here. That's, that's not, uh, that's not going to work. That, that wouldn't be acceptable in the Lord's eyes. There are some things that we just can't sweep under the rug. There are some things that we just can't ignore. Um, Reconciliation involves meeting a person and talking through hurts and offenses. So simple, so obvious, but so hard. It may involve, like we talked about last week, it might, might involve making right what you've done wrong. And, uh, you know, if you've wronged someone in some way, you, you figure out a way to make it right. Uh, now, let me share with you one thing that reconciliation doesn't mean. Reconciliation doesn't mean that you can't have a disagreement. Um, sometimes we get confused when we think two people disagree and have different opinions on something that they're not reconciled. That's not true. Uh, you could have two people that are reconciled to each other in spirit. They love each other. They respect each other. They got nothing against each other, but yet they have very differing opinions on a particular matter. That's not a situation necessarily that needs to be reconciled. You just understand that there are two people with two different minds who have two different opinions on a certain matter. But reconciliation involves pursuing peace respect, love, understanding, making things right where you can, admitting where you were maybe at fault, offering forgiveness, doing it in person where you can. Whatever the case, a person of character, a man or woman of character is one who pursues reconciliation. 
we're going to jump into a time of communion now, and so I'm going to just invite the worship team to come back while I just ask some closing questions here. Um, what if our church was exemplary in how we lived out these character challenges? I mean, particularly for today, what if we were exemplary in saying, what if we modeled a way to, to our world and how to say, I'm sorry, I forgive you, I'm going to make allowance for your faults, and I'm going to do what I can to reconcile whatever I've done wrong. What if we were exemplary in that? And I haven't reached perfection on that. I, I know. But, but how, how would our church look if, if, we, if we did that well? How, how, would our church look any different? Would our community look at us any different? I think so. Would our families look any different? Would our character and love for one another draw others in to our community? Uh, would, would Grace Church come closer to being a loving community that we can invite our friends into? I think so. Would, would Grace Church uh, be closer to be more effective in making disciples of Christ Jesus and pursuing the mission that God called us to be? I think the answer is a resounding yes. In order for us to, to f- fulfill the mission that God has for us, we need to be people of character so that the world will look at us favorably and that we'd be able to partner with God to more effectively make disciples of Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, may you help us. May you help us to become people of character that you can use as you see fit. We're going to jump into a time of communion now. And just before we do that, we're going to sing together. Uh, we're going to sing uh, this, this song, this communion song. Kind of, We're going to intersperse this song throughout our communion time together now. And uh, we're just going to sing verse uh, 1 as uh, just we prepare our hearts to to enter a time of communion. So, Steve, if you could lead us in the first verse, that'd be great. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen ones bring sons to glory. Well, the communion table uh, reminds us uh, a lot of what we've been talking about today. It reminds us that God reconciled us to himself. It's so beautiful. Oh, man, I'm so great. I'm so grateful for that. That God, out of love, he was perfect. He saw some humans who had sinned. They are imperfect. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to come and send his son, but he did because he loved us. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the grave and those who confess their sins to him and believe in his death and resurrection and declare him to be their Lord and Savior will be saved, will be reconciled to him. And the communion table reminds us that when we admit our sins, he forgives us. He truly forgives us. And he removes our sins from us. And he looks at us with as if we were perfect. Because we are made perfect in Christ. And he makes allowances for our faults. I, you know, I have, 
I've confessed a lot. I've, I've confessed as my sin to God as much as I, I'm aware of what I've done wrong. I'm sure there are thousands of things that I've done that I haven't even realized, that I haven't even thought to confess before the Lord over my life. And I think he's made allowance for that. He's made allowance for my faults uh, of sinning in ways where I've maybe been ignorant of. And he, he's made allowance for my faults because that's the kind of God he is. He forgives all of our sin. And you know, um, as you partake in communion today, uh, the communion tables for those who put their faith in Jesus. They've believed in Christ's death and resurrection. They've, they've confessed their sin to God and they've received his forgiveness. And so if you have done that, we would welcome you today to participate in communion. Scripture also tells us to examine, uh, examine our hearts. And um, there's two things I want you to do today as we examine our hearts. One is this. Ask God this. Uh, God, is there someone in my life that I need to say I'm sorry to? Or I forgive you? Or is there someone in my life I need to reconcile with? And as God reveals that person to you, that situation to you, uh, make an effort today or sometime soon, as Christ tells us it's urgent, to go figure out whatever it is you got to do to make that right. Uh, whether it's I'm sorry, I forgive you, or let's reconcile. Number two, on a personal level, ask the Lord, Lord, if there's something in my, my mind or my heart that's not right before you, would you, please make, would you please point that out so I can repent, so that I can make things right before you? So let's take a moment now and let's examine ourselves and let's hold off on that second verse for a moment and let's just take a moment of silence and then I'll cue Steve to start the second verse in a, in, in a moment. Take a moment of silence and ask God to examine your heart. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, to take our place on the cross. Lord, we thank you for setting us free from our sins so that we can live our lives for you. 
We thank you, Lord, and praise you for your love and for, for your forgiveness. Thank you that we can have the hope of eternal life and that we can look forward to your return. 1 Corinthians 11 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And Father, we thank you for, well, God the Son, we thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could be reconciled to you, God. Thank you for the suffering that you had to, to endure on our behalf. And further on in that passage, it says this, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a wonderful day and happy Mother's Day. God bless you.